Hello and welcome to season two of the Jenny Talks podcast. In this season, we're going to focus on conversations with people about creating new opportunities, communities and spaces for young people and youth workers to engage with as a result of the pandemic. My book, From Isolation to Community, Youth Work in the COVID Era and Beyond, which captures a snapshot of what has been happening in this past year, is available now. In it, I have recorded the stories of many people working with young people across the UK during the pandemic, and we'll be hearing from some of these same youth workers, but also from others who I've come across doing some amazing things to engage, enable and encourage young people to really thrive despite all the restrictions that have been put on us. You can buy the book by going to my website, www.jennyosborne.org and clicking on one of the options there. One of my passions has been supporting those who work with young people and this was part of the aim of the book, showcasing and reflecting on the work that's been happening up and down the country. I also offer mentoring for youth workers, which is regular sessions over a six month period, supporting them in their roles, acting as a sounding board, as an encourager to make small changes or to think different things through. If you're interested in mentoring or having conversations about the themes from the book, then I am available for resourcing and reflecting with your team for encouraging youth workers to consider the impact of this pandemic and how we can move forward. You can get in touch via the website. This episode is a conversation with Lou Fennell, who works for a council commissioned youth organisation. She tells us about how they have begun two new groups during lockdown and how it's been going. It was a really interesting conversation. Lou is an old friend, so I hope you enjoy this and don't forget to share. So Lou, hi, welcome to the Jenny Talks podcast. It's really great to have you here. Um, Lou is a very good friend of mine. And also I've asked her on here because she works for an organisation who've been commissioned by the local council to deliver their youth work. And we're going to chat about some of the delivery of that youth work during the COVID kind of year that we've had, which includes um, two brand new clubs, um, as well as a project to increase joy, reduce boredom and bring more families in. So, Lou, can you tell us, tell us about this, these uh, new things that have you been doing in the last little while? Yeah, well, I mean, who would have thought you'd be able to set up two youth groups in the middle of a pandemic? Certainly last year, I remember sitting in a big room, I think it must have been the 16th of March, and with a with a massive mind map all around the room of how are we gonna do this? And thinking, it's okay, it will only be a month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's short and sharp this. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but in some ways it was really It was a really good thing for us because for a long time we've been saying we want to try out some new things. And I feel like we had permission for trial and error, Mm. which quite often you don't have, um, particularly with commissioned work, Mm. to to just say, well, let's have a go at doing some new things. Mm. Um, The new youth groups actually came about... um, Actually, I think one of your podcasts in the first season, you interviewed someone from Sibs, was it? or who talked about siblings Um, and so the first group came about and it was for siblings who have young people in their family with Mm. um, a disability or some some form of additional need Mm. and so it was kind of like a young carers group but for Mm. siblings Mm. and that's an online group and that still is happening and it will can it will continue being an online group because they come from here there and everywhere and actually to get them to meet up with the added 
um, having a, a sibling that maybe mm. needs more attention it, it mm -hmm. can be quite difficult so that's been great they're meeting online um and so that's one group that started up the mm -hmm. second group started up because in the summer we were able to do some activities with young people and we had a group of young people who came who just absolutely loved it and were desperate and just said you know you must do a youth group surely and mm -hmm. at that point we weren't doing one for eight to twelves mm -hmm. and so the 812 squad became Brilliant. a group and we've been online offline every uh, sending out packs to them whatever has happened during the last year and we yeah. finally think we're on the way out and being able to start meeting yeah. in person again after easter <laughs> oh i mean we're all a bit we're all desperate for it i think aren't we really the, the children think. especially like yeah. yeah just you know when can we when can we meet up when can we meet yeah. up yeah um, just really want that yeah yeah but it's great it's great that that can be driven by the young people too in the sense that um I guess for some and maybe you found this in some of your other groups some young people may be quite reluctant really to yeah. kind of put their toe back into what yeah. might be termed as real life yeah even though you know we know that the digital is real life as well but actually face-to-face -face meeting is going to perhaps feel mm. quite um quite tricky for a little while I think yeah. And we found definitely that, so so when we, working for a commissioned youth work, the term youth for me is a bit confusing because we do actually run from age eight. Mm -hmm. um, so our younger groups, the eight to 12s, have really thrived being online. They've enjoyed being online. They've enjoyed the silly games. The mm -hmm. older groups, not at all, not okay. really haven't enjoyed it, which is where we started doing door knocking and detached work with them. Mm. And that's kind of partly where the Treat Street project that you talked about. Yeah. OK. About. So, so so tell us a little bit more about that then. Um, so, yeah. So Treat Street was a campaign that we decided to run at the beginning of January. Uh, something we've always talked about is that January is always a difficult month for people anyway. Mm. And it kind of had come about in a conversation and then we were partnered with the budget that would be a, allow us to do something. Mm. And we decided that uh, we would make up some boxes. So we had four boxes that people could choose from. One was a movie snack box. One was an active box. So things like fidget spinners and tennis mm. balls. Uh, one was a well-being box. And then we had an arts and crafts box. Mm -hmm. And we partnered with a local housing association and asked them to recommend us four streets across the region. And that's where it began. And so we went to these four oh. streets, we flyered them, mm. uh, all done obviously safely and in, in a COVID safe way, and started these conversations with people. And we've been going around, we have given them two treat boxes actually so far mm. on all the streets. And we were actually able to work with um, Hillsong Church in Tunbridge oh, yeah. to uh, partner with their Love Thy Neighbour campaign and take Easter hampers to these families as well, oh, which if you'd seen their faces was absolutely amazing. Oh, um, that's lovely. So, yeah, it's, it's been really good. We had some great conversations with parents, lots of them asking for information on when um youth groups will start up again a lot of them not liking the idea of their kids just playing out anymore and wanting them to go somewhere mm. and so that's part of our commission is to start up youth groups mm. so yeah it's really exciting it looks like for the future yeah that's really interesting or something i hadn't necessarily thought about factoring in the kind of parent the parental anxiety if you like mm. about 
um, kids being out on the streets. Yeah. Um, and not in somewhere that's a bit more structured and has a bit more supervision. Yeah. As yeah. well as, I guess, therefore the um, the safety aspects, you know, yeah. um, gathering together might be seen as a bit risky on the one hand, if yeah. you know, but on the other hand, actually, if you're if you're in a structured group, then um, there's there's more sort of uh, that that risk is lessened, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's really interesting. Um, and what a lovely thing to be able to um, deliver good things to people on their mm. doorsteps and mm. you know really I think that's a, a it's a really good way of kind of building community and, and certainly I've heard a lot of about a lot of youth work organizations doing something similar mm. in similar sorts of ways in their local area um I think it was um I think it was Janie from Worth Unlimited who was saying that uh, she started out delivering 20 and, and has ended up delivering more like 40. <laughs> yeah, we had that too, where people would recommend us and we'd suddenly get a phone call, like, have you done them all or can we come? Yeah. It's probably worth noting as well that the uh, one particular area we delivered in, yeah. I think we can be very quick to assume that everything had to go online. Yeah. And where I live, we have that online poverty there are areas yeah. that we were delivering to where that's just not possible to say oh there's youth groups online yeah um either because there's only one computer in the house and someone's working or yeah. someone's doing schoolwork, um but also just not having decent internet to then be able to yeah. access things like zoom yeah. and so i think it for us we wanted to reach those who were less likely to have been yeah. able to just watch netflix constantly yeah or, or, or you know or just go online playing games all the time yeah, yeah we actually had a really good story from one of them um one of we within each box each type of box we had a golden ticket which was a voucher for somewhere mm. and last week turned up to one of the golden winners and she'd won the active voucher and she had also obviously had a tennis ball in her box and so her mum said well why don't we buy a tennis racket because mm. it's not our money so we can afford one and they bought a tennis racket and she's taken that up and she's absolutely loving playing tennis oh, and that's not something she would have ever done yeah well she might have but it's not something they would have yeah, yeah. afforded. so yeah yeah I think giving young people these opportunities to try something new in this mm. time mm. um and it not just be try something new pick up your camera and make a youtube video <laughs> <laughs> yes yes indeed I think that I, I think that's great and it's it's it we did a, there was a big rush wasn't there for going online mm. and and kind of you know oh we'll just we'll just do it online and <laughs> perhaps not really um kind of taking those sorts of restrictions into account and I yeah. um you know I've noticed myself that even f for for a zoom conversation with more than one or two people a, a smartphone is awful you can't mm. you can't really interact with a whole group of people when you're mm. using a smartphone for zoom so um that it, it's yeah it's all these things need to be sort of borne in mind um so you also do kind of uh detached you've also been doing detached youth work which obviously um you know the national youth agency have been really keen to kind of say this can keep going we can keep yeah. doing youth work outdoors um, and that's been a really important factor, I think, for a lot of young people and and youth work. Um, you know, I've been hearing over the over the year about all sorts of youth workers doing detached who've never done it before. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all of a sudden now, this is the only kind of youth work we can do that's face to face. <laughs> so let's let's get on let's get on board. And that's 
you know that's been a it, part of the challenge for youth workers has been how do we change our practice what can yeah. we do that perhaps we've never done before that trial and error thing that you were talking about yeah um, so tell us about the um, detached work and how that pans out for you so yeah so we were actually meant to launch a skate park last summer okay. <laughs> uh, which is quite hard to do in lockdown and uh, obviously outdoor skate parks have sometimes technically been closed yeah. which is quite difficult also to do mm. when it's a publicly accessible space yes. <laughs> um, so so yeah we've we have had um, detached workers down at the skate park just having conversations moving on when a group gets too big but um, also just sometimes just allowing what needs to happen happen mm. uh, we're not there all the time anyway um, we also have done some detached work on estates where our older groups live so I said mm. earlier that, that some of our older ones just really weren't interested in going online what we did find was that actually going to their doors knocking on their doors or going to the areas where maybe they hang out so down at the seafront mm. um and, and they would gather and they would chat and obviously we would keep that a safe type of thing um, and just just engaging with young people who maybe were on the fringes of our youth group mm. um, or friends of young people who never came to youth group mm. and being able to have those conversations with them. Um, I would say most of them were surface level mm. because of the nature of detached work. I know a couple of the ones we had in the summer uh, were very significant and giving the young people time to talk I know that one of my youth workers I think every week now since um, the beginning of January they have gone on a walk with one of our young people who just needs to to walk and talk and they mm. they walk to the chip shop they buy chips and they walk home mm. and there's been some really significant conversations mm. and I, I actually think I don't know about you, but when I walk with people, I probably talk more in depth than mm. I would mm. across a screen. I think there's Absolutely. something about that minimal eye contact, but I can get your eye if I need to. Yeah. Um, so that's been really interesting just to see how some of the young people have opened up more. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that's that's really how the detached work has been. Um, I've been less involved with that. Um, my side of things has been more running all the online work <laughs> um and being at home which is fun yeah. um so yeah but it's been it has been really good to see how like you said some youth workers who much more prefer the structured we have a table for this and we have a table for that type of youth yeah. work who've really thrived at just being able to go and be around young people and and be a safe place for young people to talk mm, yeah I think you're absolutely right. There's something about walking side by side with a person. I, I, I wonder if it's, it, it is about, you know, not needing the, I, I don't want to, it's similar in a car, isn't it? When mm -hmm. you have conversations in the car, probably not with young people, but just in a general sense, if you're yeah. in a car with someone, those kind of really, um, you can try conversations out almost that perhaps you wouldn't try in other contexts. Yeah. Um, and the same is true for when you're walking. And I wonder if it's, you know, the warmth of the body next to you kind of thing or just yeah. the, the, the sort of investment of that person's time. Um, and maybe also something about the activity of walking. Um, mm. You know, I often have, find 
myself even if when I'm walking by myself it helps me somehow sort my thoughts a bit more yeah. I do my best perhaps. thinking if I walk <laughs> I think it does it's like yeah. trudging out all those ideas and I think yeah. yeah for the young person that it is like you know when you when you teach active listening which is something that I do you, you are taught to sit at a certain angle and to be a certain space apart and I think weirdly walking does that naturally mm-hmm. without it seeming like I've just put a chair in a really awkward position but I'm not going to explain why <laughs> so yeah um yeah and that's been really great and we've met siblings you know younger siblings again parents mm-hmm. we've had some really good conversations with parents mm-hmm. and particularly where um, the older group that I run is a street work so we wouldn't naturally meet the parents because the young people just come straight to us. Mm. So it's been really nice, again, to invest in families. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us then, you were just saying there that the detached is not the bit that you are particularly involved in. Um, but I know that you've been involved in online groups um, and in particular sort of self-esteem and well-being stuff. Mm. Um, you've mentioned to me before, I think, and definitely before um about um the course that you've been running called fully you yeah um so that sounds really interesting can you tell us a bit more about that yeah so that came out of last year we did um some year six work so we did a few transition classes with school Mm. um and we then also offered a few transition individually booking Mm. in classes uh or classes sounds really boring doesn't it but workshops (laughs) sounds more snazzy um and and kind of from that you know I one of my passions and I think you know this but one of the things I love doing is taking a concept and creating it into something that is manageable and usable and changes people and that's what I do normally in my job so pre-covid my job was going into secondary schools and Firstly, running peer mentoring courses, training peer mentors up. Secondly, doing the transition work. And then thirdly, filling in at any other time with wellbeing workshops mm. and assemblies. Mm. And it just occurred to me that all that could be transferable online. So Fully You was piloted at the beginning of January. Again, because we felt like we were going into a, this new lockdown, I mm. uh, I like six weeks for a course. I think that works well. It was six weeks before they were likely to be going back into school again. And so we opened it up for year sixes and we opened it up for um, year eight plus. And so we ran two groups called Fully You and it was six weeks of just looking at yourself and looking at your personality so we went along the word peace um because it was about finding peace with yourself uh so it was personality um emotions because i love teaching about emotions and the brain and emotional literacy um we looked at our abilities or our hashtag skills because uh, <laughs> we're down with the kids and uh, uh we looked at our circle of support which was our c and then we looked at our expression how we express ourselves to the world and yeah it was just really fun it's definitely something that needs redoing and I think that's again the whole thing of trial and error some things just did not work online um but it was really good and we now are running it with a school we're about to start working with a school after Easter and with the school we're running four courses so we are running fully you Mm. we are running just press play which is about learning the skills of a peer mentor Mm. but because peer mentors can't obviously see younger year groups at the moment Mm. they are creating online content to then send to a younger year group 
and we are also doing that with year sevens to send to year sixes and then we're doing something with an older group called content creators which is working with some young people who had already made some videos for me mm-hmm. and working on creating well-being content but from a young person's point of view but with the guidance of someone who is going to make sure they don't say something that's not actually true (laughs) or helpful so yeah yeah, so it's been really fun looking at how we can encourage young people's self-esteem and if I'm honest I didn't think it would work Mm. I I honestly thought they're not going to talk they're not going to get anything from this Mm. I wouldn't so why would they? <laughs> but the feedback we've had from parents and from the young people is actually it was something and more the the teaching parts gave them time to think and even if they didn't engage verbally, just time yeah. to re- rebuild themselves and think about who they are and how they want to present themselves to the world. Mm. So yeah, I'm really they've all they're all meeting up this week actually. So they oh. are gonna meet face to face this week in two different groups for lunch. Wow, that's so gonna be really, Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be really yeah I think one uh, it's been really interesting to sort of have a reflection on you know how how does this why does this work when it works Mm. why does it work and Mm. obviously also when it doesn't work why doesn't it work and that's been a really it's not that youth workers haven't done reflection before like that because Mm. I think good youth workers always had that reflective nature to it yeah um but I guess because everything's been new <laughs> we've we've really been kind of thrown in at the deep end in terms yeah. of coming up with well how do we do this now that we can't see people face to face and all the programs are having and to also change. buying into young people's interests and skills mm. I think one of the things I found like they might love making TikTok videos mm. but they don't want to make one for your youth work <laughs> <laughs> they want to do it for themselves and the same with you know we've we started a podcast and we've had mm. a couple of young people now be part of the podcast and that's been really exciting to sort of find something that a couple of young people have said no I'd be up for that if I don't mm. have to be on camera I don't mm-hmm. mind mm-hmm. um just starting to look at what um how we can engage young people and and amplify their voice but at the same time not make them do the work for us Mm, Um, sure yeah 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 so yeah that's been interesting to do Mm, and mm. you know I love seeing young people grow and come out with new ideas and new things Um, and hopefully hopefully that's what this season will have done Um, Mm. but I think we one of the things for us we didn't already have an online platform as such with young people we had one that was more with parents and agencies sure Uh, and that made it difficult because you weren't already then talking to the crowd that you wanted to talk to you were trying to reach out and it's quite hard as a youth worker thinking do I add these youth that I can see on Instagram that are my youth that feels almost not right to Mm. do that Mm. even though I'm there representing the 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 youth work that that they're part of so Mm. yeah it's it's been interesting thinking around engagement and safeguarding and moral ethics I suppose as well um but we're getting there yeah yeah sure and and it's it's all a learning curve isn't it Mm. again even more so perhaps than ever before so um and one we do need to think through carefully but I think the key thing that's been for me that's come out about online um, youth work is do the risk assessment and uh, as long as you've done the risk assessment 
and you've you've made that judgment call about whether you are going to add young people to this yeah. social media account or yeah you know whatever um and and then do it you yeah. know don't yeah. don't don't let the fear of but what might happen if this happens yeah, yeah. kind of get in your way because um you can't do youth work if you have no contact with young people <laughs> exactly exactly and it's been really good actually the last sort of since so where I am we were in tier three from from November mm. and it it was almost like they all suddenly discovered that we were online um, <laughs> not quite sure how so thanks um for kind of talking us through all of that Lou it really it's really interesting to hear how different organizations are kind of navigating this covid stuff um and it sounds like you've got some really um cool interesting stuff coming up as well for next term in terms of you know your your work um with young people in schools and around and about um so that's great can you just let us know then where we could find you if anybody's interested by some of the things you've mentioned in this uh interview podcast um mm-hmm. it would be great if yeah if you could just let people know where to find you yeah so um to to get to me directly um i'm on instagram i'm happy for people to uh, message me there and i'm at lou funnel or funnel depending on how you want to say it which is uh, f-u-n-n-e-l-l and i'm also on at brogdale c-i-c which is b-r-o-g-d-a-l-e-c-i-c which is the company i work for you can also find us on spotify um we have a work podcast called what's on your plate and I'm just launching my own personal podcast, which hopefully you will be part of. Yes. Called Contains Caffeine. Which I'm super excited about. Um, <laughs> and the What's On Your Plate stuff sounds really good as well. I had a little listen to some of that um, in the last couple of months. So that's brilliant. Mm. Thank you. Thank you ever so much, um, Lou, for your time today. And uh, it's really great to talk to you. Um, and yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. So in this Jenny's Takeaways section, I want to just draw out a few points from the conversation you've just been listening to. I wonder if they're the same points that you might take away from it. As I mentioned, Lou and I are long-standing friends, so I know how much Lou's heart is for giving and encouraging people, especially young people who might be struggling with their sense of self. I love the stories about Treat Street and how the gifts given out were carefully thought through to be individual to many of those who received them. There have been so many of these stories during the pandemic of of gift giving, um, of well-being packages and all of that sort of stuff being delivered. And it's really great and really heartwarming to hear about. As I've been saying in so many different conversations um, of late, getting the balance right between outdoor and online youth work is really crucial. Detached youth work, as Lou talked about, has been so critical in keeping in contact with young people who don't want to show up online. It's led to conversations with more young people who might not be part of the clubs or groups that Lou's organisation runs. I absolutely loved the story about the youth worker who calls for a young person, walks down the road with them to buy chips and then walks home with them. So simple but so powerful for the young person to know that this adult has time to spend with them. Such a precious space created by this seemingly small action. And of course, I've made the point several times in the last year that you simply can't do youth work if you're not in contact with any young people. This story illustrates very well how simple it is, can be, to maintain contact, even under some very unusual circumstances. 
The previous episode that Lou refers to near the beginning of the conversation is the one with Mark Arnold, where we talked about young people with disability and additional needs. Mark talks about thinking about the whole family, including siblings of those with a disability or or additional needs. So do go and have a listen of that episode if you're interested in that kind of work. I'll just remind you that my book is available in Kindle and print format from my website, and also that I offer mentoring to youth workers, whatever context you're in. If this is something you're interested in, get in touch. I'll put contact details in the show notes, but the main way to contact me is by email on hello at jennyosborne.org. And finally, I use the anchor.fm app to record and publish the Jenny Talks podcast. It's so easy to do, and I'd recommend it highly if you're interested in getting into podcasting. Thanks for listening. Until next time.